Well, as you are returning to your seats, I want to remind you there is <clears throat> there is no kids connection today. Uh, as we uh, as we can we will be uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper uh, later this morning, and so we we have the kids with us for a couple of reasons. One is just to be able to, to give the, the, uh, the most number uh, of people in our church family the opportunity to, to join us uh, for this uh, remembrance. Uh, this is, uh, the Lord's Supper is a, is a special time. I, uh, I was recalling even the words of Jesus as he said to his disciples, I've greatly desired to eat this meal with you. This is a special time and we want to include as, as many as we can. But this is also important to have uh, the kids with us uh, this morning as just an opportunity for them to be able to see us as the church model for them what, what worship looks like. This is what it looks like for God's people to gather together and worship Him. And as we come to the celebration of the Lord's Supper, I, I think it's especially important for uh, the, the kids to be able uh, to have something that they are, are looking forward to. That, that one day, kids, this is something that I want you also to be able to, uh, to join us in celebrating as you also place your faith in Jesus Christ. So, uh, one uh, announcement I do want to just draw your attention to is that is uh, the ministry of the Mercy House. The Mercy House is a, a, a shelter here uh, in Enid run by Forgotten Ministries. And this is uh, really a, a partnership between Forgotten Ministries and uh, the churches in Enid to reach out to the homeless population. And uh, Forgotten Ministries is asking churches uh, to commit to one night a month that uh, we would be able to, to come and, and help uh, carry out the, the ministry of the Mercy House. Uh, what, the way it looks is that uh, uh, from 4 to 7 p.m., uh, a team of volunteers comes in. You, you start with uh, a half hour of just orientation and uh, just instruction, and then helping to, to check uh, the, the residents in for the night. And that involves uh, being able to give them uh, a clean set of clothes, and then receiving from them uh, clothes, their clothes in return that are then taken and washed. So the next day they can be sent out uh, with clean clothes. And then helping prepare uh, a hot meal, uh, serving them and then uh, cleaning up. And so if, uh, if this is something, we want to be able to say, is this something that we can take on as a church here at EMB? That one of our values is mission. And so is this an opportunity that God is giving to us to actually put that mission into action? There is a sign-up sheet out in the Welcome Center. And if you are, are interested in possibly being a part uh, of a team for one night a month, if you would sign up your name, contact info, and then let us know what night of the week would you be available uh, from 4 to 7 uh, p.m. So that we want to be able to see, is this, can we put together a, a team that would be able to serve in this way? There's more information about that uh, in your bulletin. If you have further questions, you can talk to myself or Pastor Mark. Uh, this morning, as we prepare for God's Word, would you please uh, join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the opportunity that we've been able to have to, to come together and to sing. To sing of what you've done for us. To sing of how excellent you are. 
God, I pray now that as you have opened up our mouths in singing, you'll open up our ears and open up our hearts in receiving. God, I pray that we would receive your word, that it would shine your light on dark places in our lives, warm the cold places of our hearts. I pray that we would be strengthened by your word, that our hands and our feet would be strengthened to live for you, with you in the world this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, we have been uh, working this month through uh, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And this morning we're going to focus on verses 11 through 14, but, but I want to help us reset you know, where we've been. And so I'm going to uh, review verses 3 to 14. We're going to, to read that whole section together, and then I'm going to focus uh, our time this morning in verses 11 through 14. So Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. As I've spent time meditating and reflecting on this opening section of the letter of Ephesians, I've come to the belief that what Paul is doing here is he is retelling the story of the Exodus. The story of the Exodus of God's people out of Egypt on their way to Canaan, but he's doing it in a way that he's telling it as it's been completed and in Christ and, and will be completed someday. I was really made aware of, of this connection through listening to, to Tim Keller. And, and, and Keller makes the point that if, if we would have been able to, to 
follow the Israelites, if you could go back in time and actually be with them on their journey to the land of Canaan, and you were able to, to stop an Israelite, and you were able to say, who are you? He would probably say something like this. I was in bondage and under the sentence of death. But I took refuge under the blood of the Lamb. And now our mediator has led us out. And he is leading us to the promised land. We're not there yet. But he has given us his word, to make us into a community. And he has given us a tabernacle to remind us that we live always by grace and forgiveness. And and even though we're not to the promised land yet, his presence is with us. And his presence will stay with us until we make it home. You realize that that is almost word for word what a Christian says. That we are, are presented here with blessings that identify, that give, that give us answers to, to some of the biggest questions in life. You know, one of the, one of the biggest questions that, that you can ask and that you can answer is, who are you? The, the question of, of who I am, what is my identity? And, and then another big question in life, a life-defining question is, what am I hoping for? Because what you hope for, it will define your priorities. It will determine the direction of your life. And and this section right here, especially verses 11 through 14, it gives us answers. Not exhaustive answers. Definitely not simplistic answers to these two questions. Who are you and what are you hoping for? And, And Paul is giving us answers to these in terms of an inheritance. And what I want to show you this morning is that when, when we're addressed with the blessing of an inheritance, as Paul talks about the blessing we have of an inheritance, he is really giving us a present identity and he's pointing us to a future hope. So I want to show you those two things this morning. Inheritance as a present identity and inheritance as a future hope. First of all, inheritance as a present identity. The word inheritance, you'll see it twice here in this passage. In verse 11, you'll see, in him we have obtained an inheritance. And then, again in verse 14, the guarantee of our inheritance. Now, in the ESV, which we've just read, there in verse 11, the emphasis really seems to fall on the inheritance as something we've received. But I want to show you that uh, another translation of this, because... This, uh, in the NIV, it's translated very differently. The New International Version has it this way. Ephesians uh, 1 verse 11. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. You, You see this in the NIV, it says in him we were also chosen. So this is the, the, the translators are grappling with the idea here. The ESV, we have received an inheritance. In, in the NIV, we were also chosen. What really brings these together is the fact that you inherit because of who you are. 
That, that a person receives an inheritance because of, of who that person is. That, so that an inheritance is, really begins with your identity. Who are you? And what we see in the Old Testament, that God's people were his inheritance. Deuteronomy 4 verse 20, follow with me. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance, as you are this day. Then, Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So this inheritance that has been given to us, first of all, points us to an identity, who we are. Who we are as those who are in inheritance is that we are the Lord's treasured possession. That this is your identity. To be a believer in Jesus Christ means you belong to God. Now, Paul is going to ground this for us in something that where we might not expect him to go. Look at how Paul grounds this identity in verse 11. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So when Paul wants to to help find some assurance of this identity, that, that you belong to God, where does he go? He starts out by going to eternity past, and he goes to the eternal predestination of God. You know, this is a doctrine, the the eternal predestination, that from eternity past, God chose to save some out of a sinful human race. It's it's been a controversial doctrine. It's it's stirred up much debate. And there's many people that that because of this, you know, this must not really be that important, that this must be something that is just, it's for theologians, it's for people, you know, just to discuss when they don't have anything better to talk about. But, but notice what Paul is doing here. That, that Paul is, is going right to the, the predestination of God to give us assurance of our inheritance. That must mean that when Paul thinks about predestination, he's thinking about something that's very practical. Now, I don't have time this morning to completely lay out the, the explanation of this doctrine. But I, I think it's, it's helpful for us to at least clear out a big misconception about it. And one of the, the, the big misconceptions is that, that predestination is set opposed to free will. That these are our two competing ideas and that you have to pick one. It's either predestination or it's free will. Uh, Charles Spurgeon was asked one time, he said, how do you reconcile predestination with free will? And Spurgeon replied simply, I don't have to reconcile friends. I think... H.A. Ironside put it very well when he he put it this way. When when a sinner walks up to the gate of heaven, he sees a sign across the top that says, whoever will may come. And then as he passes through, he looks back and he sees written across the gate, predestined according to the purpose of him. That that Paul here actually brings both ideas together. It's God's predestining work in verse 11. But then look with me down in verse 13 where it says, 
when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. So Paul here has the idea that, that God's eternal predestining work actually works out in his work in history when people hear the gospel and believe. So God is at work both in, hist- in eternity and in history to give us the assurance that we belong to him. And how does he do this further, this, this work in history? We see it very strongly in verse 13. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That we as God's people have received the Spirit of God as a seal upon us. In the ancient world, a seal would be like an, an engraving on a ring. Or, or sometimes it, it would be a carving that, that would be worn around the neck. And it would be used uh, to stamp into clay as a, as a marker of ownership. Uh, kings would, would use their ring to, to seal documents. That deeds would be sealed as a way of saying, this is mine. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer. That to put your faith in Jesus Christ is to receive God's Spirit in you as a God's marker saying, you are mine. Why are we God's treasured possession? Why do we have this inheritance that's our identity? It's it's because God has put his Spirit on us. God has said, You belong to me. Now, if this is is not a truth that stirs up your heart, if this isn't something that that gives you a sense of joy, and and it may be a faint joy, but, but deep in there you're like, yes, that's true. I love that. If that's not there, if there's no joy that that you belong to God? Can I ask you, what's the basis of calling yourself a Christian? If you don't have any joy over the fact that you belong to God and you don't have the assurance that His Spirit is living in you, that that you're His possession, on what basis are you hoping for heaven? That this is the marker of God's people. That we have his spirit in us. And if you have any doubt or any questioning this morning. I would say please don't leave without talking to somebody. And knowing for certain. That you belong to God. That he has placed his spirit on you. That the fact that you are his treasured possession is your identity. Because this is what it means, first of all, to have the inheritance of God. It's an inheritance as your identity. Secondly, I want to show you that the blessing of inheritance as a present identity leads to inheritance as a future hope. Inheritance as a hope for the future. Because we are an inheritance, because we've been claimed by God, because he has put his spirit on us, now we have a hope for the future. There is a certainty to this. Verse 14. 
Look at, there's a, there's a twofold work of the Spirit here. Verse 14, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So the Holy Spirit is doing two different works in this passage. The first work of the Holy Spirit is, is to mark you as belonging to God. The second work of the Holy Spirit that is here is to be a guarantee that, that what God has given to us in inheritance, He will deliver on. Now, the guarantee, there's, there's a lot of different guarantees that we have in life. One guarantee is in the form of a down payment. Like when, when you put a down payment on a house, you're, you're giving a, an amount of money that, that you're paying on the house and you are saying, I guarantee I am going to give the, the rest of the payment. I will make the remaining payments to complete the sale of the house. That The down payment is the first of a kind. It's a 20% down payment. The other 80% is going to be of a, the same kind. You're, you're giving cash to start it. You're going to give cash to finish it. So the Holy Spirit is the guarantee that God is going to complete his inheritance. But the Holy Spirit is the first part of what God is going to complete. It's the very presence of God. The, God is giving us himself in the Holy Spirit living in us, to assure us that our future inheritance will be the fullness of himself. That is our hope. That's the Christian hope. There there are many people that that place their hopes on on other things. There are are many hopes that that compete for our attention, and, and there are people that think that Jesus will give me that hope. There's a big difference between hoping in Jesus and hoping that Jesus will give you your hope. John Piper put this very clearly when he said, Today, as in every generation, it is stunning to watch the shift away from God as the all-satisfying gift of God's love. It is stunning how seldom God himself is proclaimed as the greatest gift of the gospel. Listen carefully to what he says here. Because of all of the good things about the gospel, the best and final gift of the gospel is that we gain Christ. All the saving events, all of the saving blessings, Piper says, are simply getting obstacles out of the way so that we would be able to have the all-satisfying joy of God himself. Piper concludes by saying that The gospel is not just how to get people to heaven. That what the gospel is, is getting all of the obstacles out of the way so that we could have God himself and have him forever. So when is this going to happen? So if God has given us his spirit today as the first installment of his fullness, when is it going to happen? The ESV is a little ambiguous on this. If you look with me at verse 14, it says that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Now, we looked last week at, in uh, chapter 1, verse 7, when it said, in him we have redemption through his blood. I want you to look with me at how the NIV actually translates verse 14, where it says, The Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. 
this is when we are going to receive the fullness of God at our redemption. This is consistent with Ephesians 4 verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The day of redemption is none other than the day when Jesus Christ returns. So our redemption is is a, a reality that is already, we already have redemption through the blood of Christ. And yet our redemption is not yet complete. Our redemption is not going to be complete until the day when Jesus returns. On that day, we will have the fullness of God. And we will enjoy him in all of his fullness forever. These are the two halves that we we must keep together if we're going to be faithful in our walk with Jesus. We have to know that that we have an identity today of belonging to God as, as his treasured possession. That God has given us a, a kiss, as it were, of his presence in us. As the hope that we will fully have him forever. Now, this week, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series for the first time since 1908. It was, it was historic. And... And then uh, that was Wednesday night. On Thursday, there was this commercial that was released. And, and this commercial uh, used the voice of Harry Carey, who had been the, the longtime announcer for the Cubs. Uh, he, he died uh, several years ago. But what they did is they, they went through the audio archives and they pulled out uh, phrases from Harry Carey and they, they overlaid them on over the, the final out of this year's World Series. So, so you're going to get to relive this final out of the series with Harry Carey's voice. And, and it ends with Harry Carey saying these words, Now our lives are complete. The Cubs are number one. <laughs> and you know why I love that commercial? Other than the fact I got to relive the Cubs' victory. Uh, I loved it because it, it couldn't help but probe right into your heart. See, for you, a Cubs victory might not make your life complete. There's probably a lot of you like, yeah, it's not a Cubs victory that makes my life complete. But you know what? There's something that is. There is something in every one of our hearts that if you got it, you would say, now my life is complete blank is number one. And I think this, this is where the gospel enters into our lives and says, what's in the blank? What is it that will complete your life? This is what sustains our life. This is what nourishes us. In the disappointments in life, this is what nourishes us in the struggle with sin. You see, last week, I was able to stand up here and say, in our redemption, you are free. That sin has no power over you. But the reality is that that we all know that there is still bits and pieces of sin that are hanging on. That, That we have the inheritance. We are God's treasured possession. And yet... We're still waiting. We're still waiting for it to be complete. And how do we live 
as an inheritance? How do we live with that hope in that space in between? I want to share with you how this has worked out in my own life. Several years ago, I was in a, in a deep depression. It was one of those times in my life where I knew I shouldn't be depressed. I could just write down a list of all the reasons why I shouldn't be depressed. I was a Christian. Christians aren't supposed to be depressed. I wasn't living in any open sin. And so I just did what every good American does. I went to my doctor. And my doctor, I told my doctor what was going on, and he he wrote me a prescription for an antidepressant. I started taking it, and you know what? It worked. My depression symptoms started going away. But I noticed that there were other side effects that, that came along with the medication that I didn't really like. And, and as, as I was, was on this, I, I was on it for about five years. I just said, you know, I, I wish I, I didn't have to be on these antidepressants. I wish I could beat depression without antidepressants. And that was really what I was hoping for. I, I was hoping that I could beat depression. And then one day I was spending time in my Bible reading. And, and I read this section in Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 verses 22 and 23. It says, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. That's what we're talking about this morning. We, we have the Spirit as our inheritance. We have the first fruits of the Spirit. It says, We groan inwardly as we wait for the redemption of our bodies. And and God brought very clearly to me the fact that, that I had put my hope in getting rid of my depression. But yet that's not what God was promising to me in his word. God was promising me in his word that he would give me the Holy Spirit to hold on to me. Until that day of redemption. And God pointed out to me that that what my hope needed to be was not that I would get rid of my depression. My hope needed to be in Christ. And it was like the shaft of light penetrated the darkness and hit my heart. I said, I can do this. I can get off these antidepressants not because I'm never going to be depressed again. I can get off them. Because I have Jesus. And my hope isn't that I'm never going to be depressed again. My hope is that Jesus is coming back. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to be on that white horse, literally, bursting through the clouds. And then my depression will be gone. My hope is Jesus. And so I, I worked with my doctor and we worked to, to get off the, the medication. And, and you know what? I still get depressed. I still go through seasons of depression. But it's different now. Because I know that I'm not putting my hope in getting rid of depression. I'm putting my hope in Jesus. That the Holy Spirit has done a work in me to see he's given me a taste of my future hope. Of Jesus. And see, there's two phrases that get repeated in this section. It says, to the praise of his glory. 
See, this is how God's glory actually gets praised. God's glory gets praised when we hold on to our identity as the, cho- as the treasured possession of God. And God gets praised when we put our hope in Jesus Christ. And that is what I, my prayer is for you this morning. That you would know that you as a believer in Jesus Christ are God's treasured possession. You are his inheritance. And that your future hope has been assured to you by the Holy Spirit. That one day God will give you all of himself forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to pray this morning for my brothers and sisters who are here. I pray for my friends. I pray that you would draw them near to yourself, that they would would live as those who belong to you, that we would live as those who belong to you that our hope will be fixed firmly on Jesus. May the presence of your Spirit in us strengthen us to look not for a hope that will be delivered in this life, but that we would long for Jesus and our face would be set on him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. At this time, I want to ask the the deacons to please come forward as we prepare for our celebration of the Lord's Supper. As we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper, we are taking a small piece of bread and and a small cup, which may say to you, "Eh, that's not really much of a supper. But that's the point. That we 